You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Varallo. All right. Good evening, Jet Nation. Uh, this is your solo host for the evening, Alex Rallo, filling in uh, for our good buddy Glenn. Had a little bit of technical difficulty, so he won't be joining us tonight. Uh, possibility he might try to call in, uh, so this way we'll get him on promptly. But uh, tonight's show will be a little bit different. Might be a little bit uh, of a shorter show than what you're used to, but hopefully everyone enjoys it. Uh, so let's start off with a couple of the injury updates that I saw recently from today's press conferences. Uh, we have some good news as uh, Tremaine Johnson, Coleccio Semele, and Brian Winters uh, were active in practice today. Uh, so this is very good as this is the first time that the starting line has worked together all camp. Um, and that includes our new center. Uh, Ryan Khalil, and he had some great words that he uh, threw out there today talking about the potential of this team, um, that, you know, the sky's the limit as long as they're able to be adverse to any hiccups that they may uh, foresee or go through down the line. It it looks like he's pretty positive at this point on the potential of what this team could do. And we all know that veteranship goes a long way when it comes to solidifying a team and not to mention um, an offensive line attempting to gel with one another um, because a lot of these guys have not worked together and they have a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. If I'm not mistaken, we are 12 days away from week one where we uh, get to face the Buffalo Bills. So the days are coming down to an end. We're almost there. Uh, I know I'm excited, uh, and I'm sure all the fans are as well, to see, obviously, Le'Veon Bell and and uh, what all these offensive weapons that we've acquired throughout the offseason can do. Uh, it's been a, been a long process. It feels like it's been a long offseason, but we're, we're almost there. Um, and some other good news today. Uh, was Tremaine Johnson uh, was available. Uh, he was very, he was limited. Um, I believe I saw some tweets that he was partaking in the drills, uh, warming up with the team, and he did a little seven-on-seven work. So he's not quite there, but it looks like he's trending back in the right direction. Now, a little unfortunate news, but it seems like he should be all right for week one. Robbie Anderson has come down with a calf injury. Uh, so, don't really know what the extent of it is. Uh, must have happened uh, during the game this past weekend against the Saints. Uh, we, if anybody did get to check into the game, Robbie Anderson had a lovely uh, 40-yard catch. Uh, he made a good adjustment on the ball. Um, Sam did underthrow it slightly, uh, but these guys are still going through their process of, of getting uh, – familiar um, and the timing and all those things. So uh, obviously there's still a little bit of work to be done with number 11 and 14, but it is good to see that they've connected several times throughout preseason thus far. 
some other injury news that I saw was Brandon Bryant, uh, one of our backup uh, safeties. Looks like he's going through uh, the concussion protocol, so that's something to monitor as well. And Rontez Miles is dealing with a little bit of a hip issue. So uh, some guys are trending back in the right direction. Some guys are, are working through some things. Uh, so there's definitely, uh, you know, some concerns uh, as far as the secondary. Um, as we know, the, the cornerback situation is, is far from stellar. And uh, we've been mixing up and putting in a lot of different players. Um, if anybody got to tune in to the game this past weekend, uh, Tevin Campbell, Alex Brown, uh, players like that uh, got a little bit more extra reps this weekend. Um, all in all, I'd say that we're, we still have a lot of work to do in that particular position. Um, if I had to be a guessing man, uh, I, I could say that at least two, if not three corners should be added uh, probably come Saturday, Sunday, Monday of next week. Uh, the reason why I say that is because I believe that the uh, 53-man cuts have to be submitted, uh, I believe I saw 4 p.m. on this Saturday. So, uh, obviously, we will know better of where this team's going to be and who they're looking to go forward with, and then just kind of keep an eye out for a lot of, you know, in and out changes possibly. Uh, we might see some guys getting moved to the practice squad. Uh, we also might see uh, some players that we thought had a good chance of making this team get cut, and this way Greg Williams and Joe Douglas can get a look at some other talent that's out on the street. Uh, because as we know, behind Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts and Brian Poole, uh, there's a lot of unknown and um, inexperienced talent at the cornerback position. So that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, there's been a lot of names um, speculated uh, throughout social media of players that, you know, the Jets might try to trade with. And, you know, until – until Saturday comes around, it's kind of hard to, to even guess or assume who might the, the players be. I know uh, some people were talking in regards to uh, a Baltimore corner, Jimmy Smith, who's a little bit old, but possibly at least you know what to expect from a player like that compared to one of the younger guys that have never started a game before. Uh, I know that uh, Glenn and I have talked extensively about Joe Douglas's a relationship with the Eagles, and there's possibly uh, some guys that might be worthy of, of, a, of a grab just to see what they could do. Um, I know Rezul Douglas is a name that, that keeps surfacing um, all around uh, Jets Twitter, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, if Joe goes back to his old team and, and picks a couple guys that he's comfortable or familiar with. Um, some other trade rumors, which is interesting, and um, I haven't seen too much activity on this right here, um, but apparently John Clayton was in a podcast radio show um, and had mentioned that there was some interest with the Jets reaching out to the Houston Texans in regards to trading with Davion Clowney. Uh, from what I saw last, it looks like uh, the Miami Dolphins are in conversations and they've been mentioned and rumored to, to be the candidate that is going to be acquiring him. Uh, so I don't know if this is going to be one of those interconference moves where maybe Joe Douglas and the jets are just doing diligence uh, or perhaps with the news of the Miami situation, uh, they don't want 
a competitor to improve their roster, and and maybe they will make a move for Clowney. Uh, we do know that the outside linebacker and the inside linebacker position has changed dramatically. Um, and uh, we've lost Avery Williamson, as, as everyone knows, for the year with an ACL injury. And Brandon Copeland is currently suspended uh, for some sort of performance-enhancing uh, supplement. Uh, apparently, this is a supplement that Copeland has been taking for years, and apparently there was some sort of change um, to that supplement, and there is a particular item that has come up on the, you know, do not do not use list for the NFL. So hopefully um, he's able to, uh, you know, dispute this uh, and, and get his sentence reduced. Um, unclear at this point on how this is going to shake out. Uh, another thing that we'll have to keep our eyes and ears on as we get closer to week one to see what happens with Brandon Copeland. But going back to the Jadavian Clowney situation, it's, it's an odd situation for me. I'm a bit torn. Um, only because I'm concerned of what it would take to acquire uh, Jadavion Clowney uh, as far as a player uh, or a possible future pick in 2020. Um, could be uh, a premium pick like a first or a second rounder, and I'm just not sure if that's the right move for this team right now. Uh, number one, they don't have a ton of money left on the salary cap, and a player like him who's being tagged is going to warrant more than what we currently have. So Joe Douglas will have to get uh, extra creative here and possibly restructure some players' contracts currently in-house, which may be difficult to do, um, or possibly making some tough cuts so that we can get some money back on onto the salary cap to afford a player like that. Uh, now, kind of where I feel about this is, yes, having an outside linebacker or an edge uh, defensemen, as we as everyone has been pounding the table for for so many years, I I just don't think that the edge position is as high as a priority as the cornerback position. If you have an opportunity to improve the secondary, uh, I would do that first uh, before we go ahead and and bring in edge talent. Because yes, you can go ahead and and put more pressure on the quarterback, and that will relieve the corners of having to cover as much time. But at the same aspect, we are talking about a player that, you know, is due almost $16 million this year. He's 26 years old. Uh, he has had two good previous seasons with nine and nine and a half sacks. But prior to that, in his first three seasons, he had a total of ten and a half. So this is just somebody that has come on as of late. And if you think about the contract that he's going to get, uh, being near, you know, the 16 million to 17 million range, probably going to be looking at a four to five year deal. You're going to be looking at another possible 60 to 75 million dollars uh, on the salary cap. And I'm just not sure if that's the direction that this team wants to go, because we do have some in-house players that I believe would be more deserving of that money. Jamal Adams, per se, uh, possibly, you know, saving up for Sam Darnold because the way that the quarterback money has been structured, it really does seem that the price tag keeps going up and up and up, especially when you have players like Dak Prescott that has been rumored um, that is looking somewhere between 30 to $40 million a year. 
so that seems a little ludicrous, but, you know, that's where the league is trending. So in my opinion, I, I probably would feel more comfortable looking more toward the secondary. Um, I think Clowney's a good player. Um, if you were to make a move with him, I think you should have done it two years ago. Uh, so now that he's at 26 years old and he gets a four-year deal, by the time that he's going to be done, he'll be near 30. And 30 kind of seems to be the age in which players um, not only decline, but they're, they slow down, the injuries linger a little bit longer. So you're basically paying a player um, that's going to be on a residual decline, theoretically. So I'm not sure if that's as lucrative um, as, it, as it may seem. Um, something I talked about uh, a couple weeks ago of something that I think would be beneficial for this defense is bringing in a veteran like Eric Berry. I understand that he has not been the healthiest player in the last few years, but as far as scheming is concerned and adding a little bit of depth and uh, another veteran to the locker room, I really think that having a player like that with Marcus May and Jamal Adams that are, you know, currently um, reaching their prime as far as, you know, their careers and bringing in a player like that so that Jamal Adams can do more for the defense as far as an extra cornerback, possible coverage uh, linebacker, because let's be honest, out of all the players on this team um, that can play the linebacker position, Jamal Adams is probably your top guy. Um, He played a lot of different snaps um, throughout Todd Bowles' system, and um, I remember that he played somewhere around 14 or 15% of his snaps in college at linebacker. So this is not something that Jamal wouldn't be familiar with and if you can, again, if you can't find a cornerback that it can complement Tremaine Johnson or improve the depth that we currently have, maybe going to a different position of the secondary and utilizing the best player on your defense, which is Jamal Adams, might be the best thing to do for this defense. Another idea that um, you know I'll throw out there is going into a 4-3 defense. Um, the reason why I feel that way, um, just go go ahead and watch the recap or the replay of Neville Hewitt's uh, play against Atlanta. Um, if you noticed, uh, you'd see the back of his jersey chasing uh, Alvin Kamara. Now, yes, Alvin Kamara is one of the best uh, running backs in the game, but that what you saw Saturday is a reflection of a special teams player being put into a starter's role and looking like a special team player. Um, I do think that he did admirably last year for when Darren Lee went down, but that was a small sample size. This is a different scheme, um, different year. Uh, Teams have seen a little bit of tape on Hewitt, so they're going to be able to scheme in the same manner that the Saints did against us. And and we will cover um, the Saints game uh, in, in, in a bit, but definitely room for improvement to be needed at the coverage linebacker position. Um, We don't want to take C.J. Mosley out of his field general role, aligning the defense, uh, calling the audibles at the line, making sure everybody's in the proper position. We don't want him taking him away from what he does best. So that would not be beneficial for this team. And I feel that when you look at this defensive side of, of this team, the strength and the depth 
for me, is at the defensive line. We have some good veterans there. Uh, we have a great um, young talent in Quinnen Williams, who has looked better and better each week. Um, Leonard Williams looked actually really good this past weekend. Uh, he, he created some some pressure. Um, I specifically remember a stunt that both Williams had run, uh, where Leonard Williams was lined up over the guard, crashed over the center into the left guard, drew a triple team. Quinton Williams kind of maneuvered around him, had a big open um, gap straight to the quarterback, and even put a hit and some pressure on Teddy Bridgewater, which did lead to an incompletion. Unfortunately, there was um, a passing interference called on Alex Brown, uh, so that may have uh, took away from that limelight, but it was still nice to see how just those two guys uh, were able to create so much pressure, um, you know, four on two. Per se, so definitely feel that the defensive line would be the best way to go moving forward to negate any weaknesses that we may have in a three-four. Now, my opinion is, if we were to transition to a four-three, I would most certainly put players like Steve McClendon um, near the top of that list, and then have a healthy rotation with Fulorenzo Fadakasi and Nate Shepard, because uh, I do feel that. Uh, what you can mask in your deficiencies you make up with the big guys up front winning in the trenches. So what you'd have to do to adjust to this for more coverage aspect is utilize Jamal Adams, as I had mentioned earlier. So a lot of options for for Greg Williams here, um, and he has not a lot of time to get this figured out, but my suggestion would be to move to a 4-3 until – players like Hewitt or Blake Cashman have a better understanding of, of a coverage linebacker role. And when they start to show things um, in practice or in the film room, then maybe start dialing up the three, four schemes a little bit more. But until you get to that point, I think it would be best for the Jets to move to a four, three. All right. So just want to briefly, um, talk about these preseason games um, from the last couple weeks. Uh, we had a, had a good one against Atlanta. Uh, we went down there and we beat them 22 to 10. Um, one thing that I really noticed is uh, Ty Montgomery has looked phenomenal um, up to this point. Uh, he's, you know, averaging over four five yards a carry. Uh, he's got a couple scores this preseason. He's been active as a receiver, been moved around kind of, as we had mentioned, the Swiss army knife of this team, uh, being able to play out in the slot, line up outside as a wide receiver, and then come in in the backfield and, and give him a couple of rushes here or there. He, all positive signs coming from Ty Montgomery, even though he did have a fumble this past weekend um, against the Saints. That's the only thing that I could say that he's done this far um, that is negative, and it doesn't really seem to be that big of a concern. I don't think he's a person that's going to have fumble issues, knock on wood, throughout the the remaining of the season. Um, Another running back that I think has uh, really impressed is Trenton Cannon. Uh, Now, in the beginning, uh, uh, from what I've seen going to camp, it really seems like Elijah McGuire might have been ahead of him, and over the last two weeks, I can clearly say that K 
Cannon is beginning to separate himself from McGuire and things are not trending well for Eli. Uh, he could possibly find himself uh, being on one of these roster cuts. Uh, I definitely would put him in the category of a bubble guy. Um, I don't know if he would end up on our practice squad because I do think that with particular teams out there that are struggling or having early injuries at the running back position or other teams that have running backs that are holding out for bigger contracts, a young player like Elijah McGuire in his early 20s um, that can do some things as a receiver, um, not the best in-line running back, but I think that he's got enough talent to where he would he would be picked up by another team if we did let him go. So something to keep an eye on um, as this is pretty much um, make it or break it this weekend or this Thursday, rather, when the Jets play the Eagles. Uh, a lot of teams are – a lot of players are going to be fighting for team spots. So it will be interesting to see um, who makes the roster. My guess is Trenton Cannon over Elijah McGuire at this point. Uh, some other things that were really, really great um, as far as the, the defense um, against Atlanta, they did a really, really good job of dialing up the pressure and getting after uh, Matt Ryan. It was a little odd. Um, I didn't realize that this was uh, the third preseason game for Atlanta, and I was a little confused on how – excuse me <clears> – <throat> how uh, Matt Ryan was playing so long into that game. So um, if anybody was wondering, it was their third preseason game, and that's why he played pretty much the whole first half. And it was actually very promising to see the second string going up against a first-string caliber team and putting as much pressure as they did on the Atlanta team. So some good and some bad um, – from that game, um, obviously we know the bad was was Avery Williamson um, tearing his knee, uh, just kind of a freak thing where Tevin Campbell was attempting to dive for the football and, and break up a pass that was coming into the end zone, and he just happened to align straight with Williamson's knee, uh, causing him to go out of the game and ending his season. A lot of people were upset about that. Um, I kind of knew right from the jump the reason why he was out there is because there is no other inside linebacker that can play the mic position uh, that understands what C.J. Mosley can do as far as calling the defensive audibles. So that was the reason why he was out, still out there. Um, it's unfortunate. hate to see these things. I know people don't like preseason games, but at the end of the day, it's a really good way for the coaches to assess what players can do and what players can't do. Um, I say that because of what Greg Williams had mentioned a couple weeks ago in one of his interviews. He had mentioned how, um, you know, fans might get frustrated and, and yes, these games don't count against the regular season. So if, if you get romped on, it doesn't mean that you, you have a bad team. We've seen teams in the past not win any preseason games and then go out and have a successful regular season. So for Greg Williams, the way he sees it is he likes to look at his players and look at their weaknesses and actually put them into those scenarios. So if a guy is struggling with zone coverage in practice, he wants to see how he does it in a live game. 
can he step up and do his responsibility or will he continue to to fail or or let up a play or not look like he knows what he's doing or what his assignment is when put into that particular position so i i I mean every time that you see a player make a mistake you might get frustrated but at the same time that's also a little fuel and ammunition for the coaches to figure out okay this guy really struggles in a cover three or a cover two or a cover four and he would be much better maybe in a a man to man covered situation or perhaps you need to bring in a different personnel group uh, to mask the deficiencies of that particular player. Now, uh, some players that have looked uh, pretty decent thus far, um, I would say Alex Brown uh, seems to be looking pretty decent at this point. I mean, he's not going out there and making huge pass breakups or interceptions. Um, As far as I know, I don't think the Jets had any uh, turnovers uh, last week. So, but what I did see with Alex is that he's a physical player. He's not afraid to stick his nose um, right in between someone's chest. Uh, We saw some couple hard hits uh, where he broke up a a pass. Um, I believe he tried to get one pass deflection, came up a little short, but it ended up being an incompletion. He had very nice tight coverage. Uh, But I do think he was working more with the second string than he was with the first string um, as far as the game against the Saints. Would have been nice to have seen him go up against maybe the first string for a series just to see how he could handle himself. But I think this is a guy that uh, might make the roster. He could stick. And if he does, hopefully he's able to be that number four, number five guy that will come in in a particular package or possibly in a pinch when someone gets hurt. Really hard to say at this point, um, but I think Alex Brown might be a decent player to make this roster. Uh, Tevin Campbell is another guy that kind of up and down. Um, He does seem like he's a little reckless with his body. Um, I I noticed several times where he basically – uh, leave his feet and go airborne and, and, and just try to, you know, knock the life out of somebody. And sometimes that can be good, but if you're too overzealous, sometimes uh, you can let up a big play by being too aggressive. So not sure how uh, Campbell would be able to handle himself in the event that he would see himself in the starter's role. Uh, specifically what I remember from this past game is he he was the unlucky one that had to cover Michael Thomas from the Saints, who, who we know is an elite wide receiver. Uh, he did score that opening touchdown in the first series uh, that the Saints had, um, had pretty much stormed right down the field. Uh, Drew Brees kind of showing his savvy veteranness, just making all the right uh, reads, getting the ball where it needed to be. And, and he looked very, very simple, um, more or less a, a good game plan uh, drawn up by the offensive coordinator out by the Saints. And let's be honest, this is a team that is looking to, to be relevant in February. Uh, you know, the second series, they, they did a little bit better, but then they had brought in Teddy Bridgewater. So 
uh, really can't get a, a full uh, review about how this defense will be against a number one team as they only went up against the, the starters um, in a handful of series thus far this preseason. So the big test will, will uh, have to come out week one against Buffalo. Uh, let's see here. Make sure I didn't miss anything here. All right, so some other players that um, kind of intrigued me um, was Deontay Burnett and Ryan Griffin. Uh, I'm not sure um, what his numbers are at this point. I don't have them in front of me, but it really seems like Deontay Burnett has caught everything thrown his way, and I don't see any reason whatsoever why he would not make this 53. A lot of people have been going back and forth doing polls, asking questions to beat writers and, and other analysts. Who would you pick between Greg Dorch and Deontay Burnett? I kind of feel that the Jets are in a situation to where you need to keep both. Um, we do have some really good wide receivers in, in Anderson, Crowder, and Inunwa. But right now, Anderson is a little banged up. And we both know that the injury history for Inunwa and Crowder are pretty relevant over the last couple seasons. So you don't want to risk losing a player that would be a good possession receiver like Deontay Burnett. And as far as Greg Dorch, having a wide receiver that can contribute to special teams is very valuable. And I do feel that as Greg Dorch could be a number five, possibly a number six on the depth chart, and you may not see a lot of him um, in the offense, but he should flash uh, in a, some opportunities in kick returns and punt returns um, in just a small sample size. It, in these past three games, it looks like Greg Dorch has had one or two returns where he, he's made guys miss and, and used some good juke moves to, to evade defenders. Um, even though he may lack the physical um, size uh, or the prototypical shape that you may be comfortable with, it really seems like he uses that to his advantage to get through tight creases, uh, find open areas, and uh, use his God-given talent, which is speed. So I really feel that these two guys um, need to make the roster. Um, I would be a little shocked um, if they didn't keep both, but crazier things have happened, and uh, we'll definitely find out by this Saturday. Now, uh, I mentioned Ryan Griffin uh, mainly because – uh, we know that Chris Herndon is going to be suspended uh, for the first four games of this year. He won't be eligible until week six um, due to the fact that the Jets have a bye week four and their fourth game is week five. So as of right now, it looks like Ryan Griffin is going to be the number one tight end on this depth chart. Um, and a guy that was a little buried and I didn't get to see too much of was Trayvon Wesco, the rookie um, from West Virginia. Um, now, one thing I do remember uh, from the Atlanta game, which some people may have saw, but it was short-lived, and he did catch a touchdown pass in that game. Unfortunately, there was a holding penalty, which took the touchdown away. And then within those next two plays that had happened, it looked like Wesco had made a mental error, was lined up on the wrong side of the field, Burnett corrected him. He shifted to the other side, playing in a little bit of an H-back role. Um, he did make a block, 
He didn't seem like he was very uh, comfortable with what the play was or what his assignment was supposed to be. And then he got yanked right out of the series. So it looks like, you know, rookies being rookies, making those rookie mistakes. Um, he still needs to bite into his playbook a little bit more and, and show Adam Gase um, and this team that he has a better understanding of, of all the um, offensive concepts that they're attempting to implement right now. So um, I kind of hope that he's not in jeopardy uh, because the, the best way to build teams are through the draft and getting uh, economical rookie contracts for four years. It really seems like, you know, that's the best way to build a team. Uh, so I, I kind of hope that he is not in jeopardy, and hopefully this Thursday he'll get more opportunities to, to show us all why he was drafted uh, by this regime. Uh, excuse me for a moment. Just had to clear my throat. Okay, so um, another player that um, I, I have not seen talked about as much, and that, that is Henry Anderson. This guy really looks like he is ready to have himself another stellar year. Um, through, thus far, he's not had uh, any sacks, but he has had some pressures, uh, a QB hit or two, and he also blocked a field goal, and this previous weekend – he had a pass deflection. Um, it would look like there was a situation where Alvin Kamara was bubbling out to the backfield. Uh, he looked like he had some separation on our linebackers, and it would have been a nice chunk play for the team. And fortunately, the the length of Henry Anderson and those, those big arms that he has, he was able to get a nice pass deflection um, and stop that play. Uh, so I think that, you know, again – if he stays healthy, um, this is going to be a key cog in the wheel as far as the pass rushers go uh, for this defense. Uh, okay, so uh, another thing that I had noticed um, that seemed a little bit concerning for me, um, and this is going to go back to the linebacker positions, um, we already spoke about Neville Hewitt, uh, we saw him get beat a couple times uh, in coverage, and, and he just didn't seem like he was 100% familiar or up to speed with what his new role is going to be. Uh, so this is something mo that concerns me for sure. Uh, and, and specifically what, I, what I'm going to cue into here is during that first offensive series where the Saints were in the red zone against us, there was a – particular play where he had to cover their tight end. Now, I don't, I can't speculate on, on, on the type of uh, scheme or the form in which the, the Jets defensive backs or the linebacker coach are, are training these guys to do. But one thing I noticed is that not only was he chasing the tight end and behind him, um, when he saw that the tight end was looking up for the ball, he didn't even attempt to get his head around and try to make a play on it. Um, he just basically looked like he was going to try to hit him and try to jar the ball loose uh, before he got down to the ground. Now, if the tight end did end up with the catch, it would have been a touchdown. So I, I'm not sure, again, if this was just he was out of place or if he just doesn't have the coverage skills that are needed to stick to, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. 
against savvy tight ends. So that kind of concerned me. And I did also notice uh, the same situation uh, with Brian Poole. And I have it written down here. Well, mainly it was it was Brian Poole um, and Neville Hewitt. It just kind of seemed like uh, they were going for big hits rather than trying to play the ball. Now, everybody has their different ways of doing it. I'm just not as familiar with that being the, the proper way. So what do I know? But that's just one thing that I had saw. So a little concerning to see uh, a special teamer uh, being moved into a starter's role and, and trying to learn on the fly. Um, another guy that's been in the mix um, at from the middle linebacker position was James Burgess. Uh, you know, I kept calling out his name on Saturday night. Um, was pretty frustrated. Um, but again, I believe this is one of those scenarios where Greg Williams was trying to experiment by putting his guys into certain coverages um, in, a, in a, you know, zone related manner. And he just looked completely lost. Um, there was guys crossing through his territory that he was letting go that were getting catches. He had somebody run a post route right over his head and let up a reception. Um, so at this point, it really seems like James Burgess might be better fit for a run-stopping situation and could be a real big liability if you were to use him in a uh, pass coverage situation. So uh, I would not be surprised if Joe Douglas does something this weekend and maybe brings in another linebacker or two. Um uh, just to try to get somebody that maybe has a little bit of veteranship. Um, I believe that there was an individual um, that was released today. I want to say Michael Smith. Um, I saw some people tweeting about that. Um, I'm not sure if if he would be the right fit for this guy or for this defense with Greg Williams, Uh, but it, you know, it remains to be seen uh, what Joe Douglas and Greg Williams has in store to figure out, this void that we have now at the linebacker position. All right. So this will bring us to a little bit of preview for the Thursday game. Uh, Something interesting that Adam Gase had mentioned today in regards to the Philadelphia game was that Sam Darnold and majority of the starters obviously will not be playing, but there are going to be a few of starters that will be active in this game. Um, I don't know why that is. Uh, my guess would be that possibly there's certain players uh, that have been uh, a little limited um, due to some injuries, and maybe they haven't been getting a lot of the reps because the way that the NFL has kind of changed the way that you can practice players are being restricted to, um, you know, when they can go live, um, you know, how many hours you can um, have your practices run, how many practices you're permitted to have throughout the off uh, through training camp. So there's a lot of different changes that have occurred throughout the years and, and certain players just kind of, or certain coaches feel that players are not getting enough reps. So maybe this is a situation to where a couple of the starters or would-be starters are going to 
get an offensive series or two in the first quarter, and then they'll get yanked. Uh, so we'll obviously see what happens come Thursday um, and see who those individuals are that will be participating uh, in the uh, fourth preseason game. Uh, one thing that uh, he did allude to was that all three quarterbacks in Trevor Simeon, Davis Webb, and uh, Luke Falk will be uh, playing in this this game. Uh, he doesn't know what the snap count is going to be. Uh, if I had to be a guessing man, I'd probably say Trevor Simeon's going to get the first half, and then it'll either be Davis Webb or Luke Falk um, for the third and the fourth quarter. And I think that that'll actually be a good indication to see where Webb and Falk is on this depth chart and whether or not the Jets are going to move forward with two quarterbacks or possibly three quarterbacks. My guess right now is I think they're going to run with three. Um, but if they do decide to go with two, I think Davis Webb will get cut and Luke Falk will be moved to the practice squad. That would be my guess. Um, because at this point, uh, I don't, I don't see any reason why not to keep Falk in the mix. Um, he's been not super impressive, but he's been very efficient, uh, making his reads, um, getting through um, his progressions, um, getting the ball where it needs to be. Again, he's not going up against great competition, but <clears throat> but uh, as far as I know, I think he's only had two, possibly three incompletions this entire preseason. So, um, you know, again, we can't uh, read things too deep, but from what I've seen, just the eye test, it looks like, you know, he's a young player that has the opportunity to possibly be backing up Sam Darnold in the long term because uh, he started his career with Adam Gase down in Miami and he followed up with him to New York. So a uh, little bit of a quarterback competition. Thank God it's not for Sam Darnold. But something, you know, of interest to see for this weekend's game. I'd also like to highlight, again, the running back battle between Cannon and Elijah McGuire. Uh, as of right now, I think um, the Jets will remain with four. Um, in Bell, Montgomery, Dwal Powell, and Trenton Cannon. That would be my guess. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with our running backs this weekend. Um, you know, my guess is that if you are already – set in stone with having uh, Trenton Cannon on this team, then you'll more than likely see more reps uh, for Elijah McGuire so that the coaches can take a look and say, all right, this is your opportunity to impress us. Go out there and do what you need to do. And, you know, it's all on you at this point. If you go out there and you have a stellar game, there's a good chance that Elijah McGuire might stick. If he goes out there and he struggles, and when I say struggled, I think something that uh, has become quite noticeable with Elijah McGuire, and I think this dates back to his college years as well, he has not been very, very, um, I guess, lucky as far as yards after contact. He seems like, you know, he's he's got good speed, he's got good hands, um, he's a capable runner, but he goes down extremely easy whether if you hit him up high, if you hit him up low, it just seems that it, he'll plant his feet, look to absorb the, the hit rather than delivering it. And 
and go down um, with easy contact. Just from what I've seen, um, you know, in the small sample size that of him being on the team. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not if he can change things around for himself with this regime. Uh, some other players that I know fans will be interested to see who makes the team. Um, one of them is Tim White. Tim White has done a really, really phenomenal job as far as training camp. I, I labeled him as the Trey McBride of this camp, somebody that a lot of people seem to think he has a good shot of making it. My guess is that he's a practice squad guy, uh, but clearly he is um, in the mix and should be in consideration when it comes down to the final cuts when they're trying to figure out uh, do we want to keep Burnett or Tim White. My guess is Burnett is a little bit ahead of him, and Tim White will have to do a little something extra this week in order to to stick. Uh, Moving to the tight ends, uh, Daniel Brown um, will probably be getting a little bit more reps. Um, And I'm not sure if Ryan Griffin is going to be getting as many reps because if you are going to be deploying Ryan Griffin as your number one tight end for the beginning of the month, then you don't want to do something silly and give him too many reps in this game, and then he comes out with some sort of an injury. So this will be uh, a good situation or scenario for Daniel Brown um, to take an opportunity, take advantage uh, of this, uh, these reps that he could possibly be getting. And obviously I'd really like to see Adam Gase give a bigger role to Trayvon Wesco. I, I think that they're, is a lot of potential with him um, as a, a run blocker, as a as a pass blocker in play action, or as a check down option um, in certain you know RPOs or play action things like that. Um, he's got the size, he's got the physicality. It, it's just that you need to figure out what he does best and 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 put him in that role and start there. And you know these are rookies, so it's going to take time, uh, but this is definitely one of the chances that he's going to have to try to seize um, to prove to the coaches that he can do more than what he's been doing thus far. Um, And then lastly, going over to the defensive side, um, there's been a lot of new names thrown into the mix um, at this point. Um, The depth chart, um, unofficial depth chart, has been put out by the Jets and some of the corners that will be interested in seeing, obviously, household name Perry Nickerson, um, Marcus Cooper, who I believe has been wearing number 31. Now, from what I remember seeing uh, Marcus Cooper, um, he he got his shoes um, tied together, possibly, or his knees knocked, but he got juked out on one particular run, on an outside run, and uh led to a pretty decent gain for the Saints. So it looks like he's a player that uh, could use a little bit more discipline as far as keeping outside containment when you're lining up um, on the outside corner position. So it'll be interesting to see Perry Nickerson, um, another player, Mark Myers, Arthur Mollett, Alex Brown, Tavon Campbell, and again, Marcus Cooper. These are the players that I'll be looking at, um, seeing how they handle um, you know, the Eagles this week, uh, this Thursday. And 
and there's been a couple new um, additions um, to the team. Um, this name I'm going to uh, butcher, and I apologize for that in advance, Godwin Iwibuki. Uh, sorry if I got that wrong. Um, Derek Kindred, and the Jets recently brought back Santos Ramirez. So there should be some, some different names getting thrown into the mix uh, for this game. And it'll be interesting because I think Santos was probably brought in in lieu of the injury to Brandon Bryant. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens there. Um, also, Doug Middleton, um, a name that kind of just has been forgotten or just not talked about as much. Uh, what can he do? What will he do? Uh, will he do enough in, in this week's game to, to stick on the roster? Um, that definitely remains to be seen. Um, it, you know, it's kind of interesting how last year at this point, um, he was the backup for Marcus May. He started out the season. Um, he looked all right. And just as he was starting to show a little bit of, you know, insufficiencies at the free safety position, luckily we got Marcus May back before he got um, thoroughly exposed. But at this point, it does not seem that Doug Middleton is the type of safety that may suit the needs of Greg Williams. So I'll be keeping an eye out for number 36, see what kind of role um, he's put in. You know, will he be running with the twos? Uh, Will he be working with the threes or the fours? And obviously, if he's working with the threes and fours, that means that he's closer and closer uh, on his way out. So Doug Middleton, definitely another person of interest for this week's game. And lastly, um, something that hasn't been talked about a lot either are, is the punting competition that's been going on. Um, I, I know that there was a punt this um, punt return this weekend. Um, Matt Darr was the one that they booted the ball, and he was the last man standing that tried to make that tackle. Uh, he couldn't do it. I'm not saying that Lachlan Edwards would have, but – I don't know how to take that as far as a coach evaluation. Is that something that you would put as a negative for him or it's just one of those scenarios where you need better punt coverage or so um, I'm not sure um, who would be ahead at this point in time. I know that uh, the average for Lachlan Edwards has been pretty impressive. Uh, but then again, Matt Dar came with Adam Gase. And he might feel more familiar, um, comfortable with a player like Dar over Edwards. Could be completely on on uh, Gase's just personal, uh, you know, opinion of, of these two players. Um, I like Lockwood Edwards. I think he he's been doing a much better job. I know he was a little inconsistent when he came in as a rookie, but the, the guy clearly has a leg, um, and he does seem. Like last year, he was doing a little bit of a better job putting the ball inside the 20, inside the 10-yard line. So I personally would like to see Lachlan Edwards stick. Uh, but one of those odd little uh, position battles that's not getting a lot of light. And and by this Saturday, we will know who is going to be our punter. So it looks like now that went fast. We've got about eight or nine minutes left on the show. Uh, so at this point, uh, what I will do is take a look at this roster really quick um, and just see if there's anyone else that might be of interest here. Um, 
haven't talked much about the outside linebackers, so let's just give that a couple minutes right here. Uh, one player that looked um, that came uh, back into the mix was Harvey Lange, uh playing a little bit of an edge position. Now, from what I've seen from camp, this is a guy that's 100, 120, 130, 150% energy. Um, he's an energetic guy. He's a little reckless coming around the corner. Uh, there was a couple situations where it looked like he had the opportunity to get a tackle for a loss or a possible hurry or a, a sack, but he just over-pursued and kind of took himself out of the play with the quarterback being able to step up or move to their left or right. So, you know, the, these preseason guys, they all want to make the roster. They're all trying to get a job. They're all going 150 miles an hour. And, and it just looked like that was one of the situations. Um, I think Harvey's a good player. I don't know if he's going to stick. Uh, but, um, you know, that's a person of interest to look at uh, for this as a possible sleeper to make this team. Um, I think a, a new uh, fan favorite is Frankie Louvu. I think he is going to be getting a lot more opportunities with the Brandon Copeland situation. And we might see him being rotated a lot more uh, with the ones come, come the regular season. And I really liked what I saw out of Terrell Basham. Now it's interesting because I keep seeing him getting moved from being a defensive end to an outside linebacker. And I think that he's capable of doing both. And the fact that, you know, you could put him plug and play into two different positions, gives him value out of this mix. Now he is a little buried on the depth chart, but it just does seem like, he has that savviness to to be a good run stopper and and occasional uh, pass rusher, kind of similar to what a Jordan Jenkins could be. I don't think he's at the same level as Jordan Jenkins, but I do think that if Luvu is unable to impress or show that he's capable of maintaining outside edge position, uh, Terrell Basham could could easily be that guy filling in for Brandon Copeland while he's on suspension. And lastly, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about a player that has come up in um, some conversation on Twitter today, and that is rookie Ja'Kai Polite. An article came out uh, within the last 24 hours that possibly Ja'Kai Polite has not um, wooed or uh, solidified himself a, a spot on this roster. I completely flabbergasted by this. Yes, I just said that. Um, it's just, why would you get rid of a, a third-round rookie that's a borderline premium pick? Now, we saw that this guy has an exceptional knack um, and flexibility and bend to get around the, the offensive tackles, dip that shoulder, show that bend, and create pressure into the pocket. He's another guy that I, I felt was trying to do a little too much in this past weekend's game, um, over-pursuing, taking himself out of the play. Um, there was uh, a couple situations, and, and this is just a testament to maybe how great of an athlete uh, Taysom Hill, the third-string backup quarterback, is for the Saints. Uh, he looks like the type of guy where, like almost like a Tim Tebow. He could be a running back. He could probably be an H-back. Uh, he, could, he could play quarterback. He just seems like he's an all-around good football player and a good athlete. There was a couple situations to where it looked like 
uh, Polite was going to get a, a QB hit or pressure, um, and and Hill just basically was athletic enough or quick enough to to get to evade him. Um, and one of the specific plays that I remember is uh, Polite had the opportunity to get a safety, and Hill was able to maneuver around him and and get out of trouble. So I'm not ready to give up um, on Jakai Polite. Uh, I think it would be um, I'll just say highly unintelligent to to cut a rookie third-round pick um, this early in the process. Uh, It is clear to me, to the coaches, that it is not easy to transition from the college to the pro level, and I think that that's exactly what is going on here. He probably got by uh, at Florida with his God-given talent and his just ability of being a freakish athlete to play this game. Now he's come up to the highest level of play, and you have to know not only all your defensive concepts, but you have to know the playbook in and out. You have to not only know your role, but what your teammates' roles that are surrounding you and what their responsibilities are, whether it be uh, a zone blitz situation or a man coverage situation, you know, a 3-4, a 4-3, a 4-4, a 4-2, whatever it is, you have to be on the same page as all of the 10 players. So that's a, that's a process that can take time, um, and it's a, it's a process that doesn't come easy for, for, you know, certain players. Certain players take a year or two or three to develop and get to where they need to be. Darren Lee was one of those players that I felt um, was put in the wrong position and then moved into the right position um, and had a good support in Avery Williamson and was able to thrive in that role because he was finally getting what his job was. Unfortunately, we know his maturity, his problems off the field, that all came apart and he's no longer with us. But it took Darren Lee two seasons of struggling and being criticized by the media, the fan base, to finally prosper and and get to where he needed to be. And I think that the sky is the limit for Ja'Kai Polite as long as he can stay out of trouble and continue to be, uh, you know, a student of the game. And I'm getting the alert that I've got 60 seconds here, so I'm going to wrap it up right now. So I'm not ready to give up on Ja'Kai Polite. I know a lot of people agree with me. And, um, well, this went fast. This was fun. Um, Thanks for everybody tuning in. I appreciate you guys. We got the Eagles coming up this week, and we're 12 days away from the Eagle uh, from week one against Buffalo, and um, we're almost there. So, again, thank you guys. I I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Please leave us a review on um, Apple iTunes and, uh, you know, give us a like. Contact me on Twitter at NYJetsLife24. Love to hear some of your guys' feedback. And uh, thank you once again. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Take care, Jet Nation. Have a good night.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.